on today's episode of The Tax Playbook, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network, we're talking tax buckets again. If you don't remember, there are three of them, taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free. Today, we're going to talk about the tax-deferred bucket, or as I call it, the ticking tax time bomb. This is Marcus Warren, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks. Let's get on to the show. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. All right, so um, here we are again for another episode of the Tax Playbook podcast. And, you know, today I want to talk about uh, the tax deferred bucket. And with the tax deferred bucket, you don't pay taxes as your money grows. When do you pay them? You pay them at the very end when you take that money out. So what are some examples of tax deferred investments? Well, there's, uh, there's all sorts of different investments that qualify, but we're talking about 401ks. We're talking IRAs, 403Bs, 457s, SEP, SIMPLES, your, your pension, basically. Those company retirement plans are examples of tax-deferred vehicles or tax-deferred investments. Now, there are a lot of different rules that apply to these different types of plans within that tax-deferred bucket. But generally, they have two things in common. The first thing is when you put money into these programs, you get a tax deduction. For example, if you make $100,000 and you put $10,000 into your 401k, what is your new taxable income? $90,000. And so the second thing that they have in common is the manner in which they are taxed when you pull that money out or when you distribute that money. The IRS, they have a special word that they use to characterize the income when you take it out and What do they call it? They call it ordinary income. So, for example, if you uh, put money into your 401k, all you really did was defer the receipt of that payment until somewhere much further down the road. And when you take that money out, at what rate, what tax rate are you taxed? It's whatever it happens to be in the year that you take it out. All right. And so what else do they have in common? Well, when you pull money out of the tax-deferred bucket or those plans, it also counts against the threshold that determines if your Social Security is going to be taxed. And then lastly, there's really only a, uh, and I don't think many people think about this, but there's only really a 12 and a half year period in your life where you actually have complete control over these types of accounts. So, you know, if you touch your account before you reach age 59 and a half, of course, you can, you can take their money out. You're going to be taxed, but you're also going to be penalized. And that penalty is 10%. And of course, there are circumstances where you can get your money without the 10% uh, death, disability, uh, education, uh, first-time home purchases, things of that nature. Um, then between that 59 and a half and 72, so that 12 and a half year period, You can pull money out and you're not going to be penalized. You still have to pay a tax, but you're not going to be penalized. But then if you don't start taking the right amounts at age 72 and beyond, they force you to pull that money out in the form of required minimum distributions. And if you don't take that out, they penalize you. And that penalty 
is 50%, for not pulling out your RMDs. Uh, speaking of that, speaking of RMDs, um, as it relates to your IRA uh, uh, or, or your tax-deferred uh, distributions, every year that RMD goes up and it gets bigger and bigger. And it's really just the IRS's way of saying, hey, we gave you that tax deduction for way too long. Now we need to collect on that money. It's a way that they are able to get a predictable stream of tax revenue over the course of your retirement. So when you begin your RMDs, it starts out at right around 3.65% or so, um, and it goes up each year after that. And also those increasing RMDs have unintended consequences as it relates to your overall tax burden in retirement, as well to the extent in which your Social Security even gets taxed. Mr. Mr. Vanderhoff, our records show that, uh, that you've never paid an income tax. That's right. Why not? I don't believe in it. And so, and so getting back to traditional tax-deferred investments, when you take the money out, at what tax rate are you going to be taxed? Is it going to be higher or lower than it is today? Now, some people, and we hear this from all the financial gurus all the time, um, a lot of time they're going to tell you when you're, that, that you're always going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, right? That uh, during your working years, you're in a higher tax bracket. When you retire, you're going to uh, be in a lower tax bracket. Uh, and after all, you're going to be living on less money, so forth, so on and so forth. Well, I think that there's been a lot of financial journals that have debunked this idea that you're going to be spending less money in retirement. Let me give it to you this way. Uh, what day of the week do you spend the most money? Well, studies show that it's Saturday because you're going to Home Depot, Lowe's, you're going to Costco, you're getting your shopping done. Well, guess what? Every day in retirement is a Saturday. So you're going to be spending more and more money than you ever anticipated. So that's one point that I like to bring up. The second point that I like to bring up is that of deductions. The deductions that you experience in your working years, they basically vanish into thin air right when you need them the most. And that is when you are retired. So for example, the number one source of deductions uh, for a typical uh, family or anyone is your house. But when you're close to retirement, your house is typically paid off by the time you reach retirement. So that's the number one source of, uh, of deductions that's gone. And even if you're 25 years into a 30-year mortgage, most of your money is going towards principal anyway. So very little is going towards interest. So that deduction is gone. Number two is your kids. You get a huge tax credit during your working years. But your kids typically are not living with you in retirement, at least you hope not. So that tax credit is gone. The third thing is your 401k or other company retirement plans. You're no longer contributing to, to those things. So that deduction is basically gone. And then the final one is charity. Now, what we have come to find out is once charitable, always charitable, but you tend to give more what you have in retirement and you tend to give more time than you do money because there's less money to throw around because you're not getting a paycheck anymore. So instead of donating money, you donate time. So instead of writing that check out to the soup kitchen, you actually may walk down to the soup kitchen and ladle the soup yourself, which is a very noble thing to do. But what does the IRS think about your time? Right. They don't give a crap 
about your time, and it's not deductible. Have you met anyone recently who might loathe the very core of you? I'm an IRS agent. Get bent, tax man! Everyone hates me. So will you be in a lower tax bracket in retirement? Maybe, but probably not, especially given what we know uh, is going to happen to tax rates on January 1st, 2026 and beyond. We know that tax rates are automatically going to revert back to pre-2018 levels on January 1st, 2026. We know the year and the day when that's going to happen. But that's not really my big concern. My big concern is what all these experts are saying is going to happen to tax rates, most likely after 2026. As we move forward to, say, 2028, 2030 and beyond, that tax rates are likely to be dramatically higher than they are today. Why? Well, as the debt balloons up to $30 trillion, it's already $26 trillion and counting, interest rates, when they return to historically normal levels, the cost of servicing that debt is going to start to crowd out all the other expenditures in that budget. And of course, we're talking about Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. They're all driving that debt up and just uh, exacerbating the problem each and every year. So the question becomes, should we completely avoid the tax deferred bucket in a rising tax rate environment? Well, no, we shouldn't. In a rising tax rate environment, there is a perfect amount of money to have in your tax-deferred bucket. Um, there's a perfect amount of money to have in that tax-deferred bucket uh, if you don't have a pension, and it's right around 250 to about $350,000 or so. And so remember what we want. This is what we want in that tax-deferred bucket. We want the balance in your tax-deferred bucket to be low enough that your required minimum distributions that they come out when you're 72 are less than or it's equal to your standard deduction, which is if you're married, it's 24000 plus an extra amount of a tiny standard deduction once you pass full retirement age at 65. But we also want that balance in your bucket to be low enough that it doesn't start to cause your Social Security to be taxed. So say your required minimum, minimum distribution, your RMD, Say it was $24,000 at age 72, or or let's just say $26,000 because remember they give you that extra little standard deduction uh, once you get to retirement age. Um, You can make the case that, yeah, you could have $500,000 or $600,000 of money in your tax-deferred bucket, uh, and that would generate an RMD that's equal to or less than $26,000, but here's the problem. If you have $26,000 of distributions coming out of your tax-deferred bucket, it all counts towards provisional income. And when added to one half of your Social Security, it's almost certain to cause your Social Security to be taxed. That's why we say if you don't have a pension, the perfect ideal balance is closer to $250,000 to $350,000, depending on what your Social Security is. Remember, we want distributions to be tax-free, but we also want your Social Security to be tax-free as well. Now, if you have a pension... If you have a pension and it's a big enough pension, it's going to completely take up all of your standard deduction, in which case you probably don't want to have any money in that tax-deferred bucket. So um, you need to get that money systematically shifted to tax-free. You remember, we want to stretch that tax liability out as many years as possible, probably uh, get all of the heavy lifting done before 2026 when tax rates basically are going to go up for good. So remember, 
When I make a recommendation for tax-free retirement, it generally consists of five or six streams of tax-free income. It might be through a Roth conversion, a Roth IRA, Roth 401k. It might be uh, your IRA uh, offset, uh, your, your standard deduction so that your RMD is tax-free. Um, it could be uh, a life insurance retirement plan or alert that we talk about because uh, that's also technically tax-free. And if we can keep all of these sources of income below that provisional income threshold, then your social security then can be tax-free. So if we were to guess of all those things I just mentioned, what's my very favorite, what's my very favorite source of tax-free income? And my favorite source of tax-free income is the RMDs that's coming out of your tax-deferred bucket that's offset by the standard deduction. And I'll tell you why. Remember when you put money into your IRA or your 401k, you got a tax deduction. And you know you got a tax deduction probably at the highest tax rate you were going to see at your lifetime. And then what happened? You grew the money tax deferred. And then when you take it out, you can potentially take it out tax-free. So that's basically the holy grail of financial planning there, people. You get your tax deduction on the front end. You get it all grows tax deferred. You take it out tax-free. And by the way, if it was a 401k with a match, then you also got free money to grow and compound inside that account. And so if somebody tells you that 401ks aren't a good deal, I would say uh, uh, I would say put money up into that 401k. You, you contribute to that 401k all the way up to the match, not a penny above and beyond. You got to get that free money. Get whatever they're going to give you as a match. You get that tax deduction on the front end. You grow your money tax deferred. And then if you keep that balance small enough between $250,000 and $350,000 in retirement, then you can use your RMD to take the distributions out of there tax-free. So that is my favorite tax-free investment stream of income. Now, I don't think that you can beat a 401k with a match when you get the deduction on the front end. Um, uh, so that's why I like it mathematically. All right. So in summary, tax rates in the future are going to be higher than they are today. Do not neglect your tax-deferred bucket. Remember, this whole process of getting to a tax-free retirement is like trying to fit a bunch of puzzle pieces together. When you get the puzzle pieces together, then a tax-free retirement is possible. There's no, remember this, no one stream of tax-free income will get you to, to a tax-free retirement. It requires multiple streams of tax-free income, none of which will show up on the IRS's radar, all of which will contribute to you receiving your retirement tax free and the tax deferred bucket plays a critical, critical role in that whole process. All right. That's all I got. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks. And talk to you soon. Cause I'm the tax man.